Acts chapter 2. Description of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, where we'll read the first 41 verses. And after the reading of scripture, we'll respond to the word by singing together hymn 49, stanzas 1 to 4. Acts 2, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of God. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth beneath, below, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. 
Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out, on, poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So far, the word of God. The text for the sermon this morning is the last part of verse 11. Acts 2, verse 11. second half of that verse, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, let me begin right away with the theme and points for this Pentecost sermon. The Spirit brings Christ's church to speak about God's mighty works. And we see three things. They tell of those works in normal language, ordinary language. They, those works are spoken by normal people, and those works were done by the God of all grace. So first of all, God's works are proclaimed in normal or ordinary language. <clears throat> Amazing signs, uh, congregation, in that city filled with Jews and converts to Judaism from all over the known world at, at the time. People had come from all corners of the known world for the Old Testament feast of Pentecost. That was the uh, feast of first fruits in Israel. And on the morning of that day of Pentecost, there were then those uh, signs, as we read, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, tongues of fire, which came to rest on each one of the people, the 120 souls together in that place in that house in Jerusalem, and most amazing of all, men and women all speaking in different languages, tongues, so that people from all over could understand what was being said in their own language. That wind and, uh, so the noise of the wind and the, those tongues of fire, they attracted those people to that house. But when they came there, they were most amazed by the fact that 
they heard those voices speaking in different languages, in their own languages. And you hear that amazement in the words of our text. We hear these people telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Let's say there were 120 people, and if everybody was speaking a different language, 120 different languages, tongues. And that really amazed the people. And you hear that amazement when they say, in our own tongues, in our own languages. And the thing was that those people from all those different places of the world at that time, they were not used to hearing the mighty works of God in their own language. In the temple and in the synagogues, and in particular then in the synagogues in other nations, the scriptures were read and prayers were offered up in the Hebrew language. Only in Hebrew. And that meant that a lot of those Jews in in foreign countries most likely didn't understand a lot of what was going on in worship. Ultimately, the Hebrew language was kind of a holy language then, spoken by few and actually understood by fewer. Until the Babylonian exile, it had been the language of the people of Israel, but after the return from exile, Aramaic and Greek became the everyday languages used in Palestine and In other nations, the Jews used the language of those people for their everyday conversations. And then Hebrew became the kind of, became a language, a holy language used only in worship among each other. Think of how Latin was used in the Roman Catholic Church for centuries, even though the people who worshiped didn't really understand it unless they had special instruction in it. So the Jews who lived in various nations in those days spoke the language of those nations, but worshipped in the synagogue in Hebrew, a language that many of them didn't know. And if you think about that, you realize why those people who had come to Jerusalem from other countries for the feast were so amazed. We hear these people telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. They heard the great deeds of God being proclaimed in the normal everyday language of the nations where they lived. They heard the mighty works of God being spoken about in normal everyday tongues. The the language in which they thought, the language in which they spoke to their children normally at home, and the language which they talked with their neighbors over the fence and their co-workers on the job. And now the holy things of God were being spoken about in their plain everyday tongue. And that congregation is actually the meaning of Pentecost. The meaning of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Now the word of God is brought close to the people. The people of all nations, tribes, and tongues. The word, as Paul writes in Romans 10, is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. The gospel Proclaimed to people of all places in their own language, in normal, understandable language. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit after Pentecost. Because, you see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was also at work. But because of the depravity of men, the Lord God had focused the work of the Spirit on the nation of Israel. The geographic nation of Israel. 
on the descendants of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. The biological descendants. And so the church of the Lord was narrowed down to the nation of Israel. And you had to become Jewish, an Israelite, if you wanted to belong to God's people. And you had to speak Hebrew. But after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, after Christ's work of salvation was finished here, he poured out his spirit on his church to gather it in from all peoples and nations on earth, even from the ends of the earth. That's why those signs of Pentecost, especially then that speaking in different tongues. And congregation, that's how the, the gospel can be proclaimed here today too. In your everyday language. In Canadian English. It's so, it's so normal to us that we can go to church on a Sunday and we can hear about the mighty works of God in our own language. And that we have English Bibles and praise God with English psalms and hymns. And that the youth receive catechism instruction in English. And we could discuss the Bible in English in Bible study. And we could talk in English to our neighbor about the Lord and what the Bible says. But congregation, it's actually a wonderful thing that all of that can take place today. That God speaks to us in our own everyday language. God in Christ doesn't speak to us in a kind of special secret tongue. A separate language like in Hebrew. Like Hebrew or so. No, he comes to us in our own language with the message about the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and glory. So that we can come to repentance and believe. He comes to people all over the world in their own language in different places of the world. The Bible has been and still is being translated into every language so that what the Apostle John saw at Revelation 7 will come to fulfillment. John writes in Revelation 7, and I quote that here. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God speaking, God's being with his people, burst out of the borders of Israel, out of that language, of that Hebrew language, and went into all the world. And that was the coming of the Spirit. And that's why the Spirit had the mighty works of God proclaimed in normal everyday language of those people from different nations at Pentecost. People from everywhere can hear and believe and belong to God's covenant and church in their own tongue and language. And Pentecost means that there's a call then for us too today here to support Mission, outreach, Bible translation. That, that We take that to heart because that's the work of the Spirit in the world. So that's our first point, congregation. Now we come to the second part of the sermon. God's mighty works are also proclaimed by normal people. Those Jewish people from all over the world in Jerusalem were bewildered and amazed because they heard God's mighty deeds being proclaimed in their own tongue uh, language. But that wasn't the only thing that that they were amazed at. They were also amazed that they heard God's wonders being declared right in the streets of Jerusalem. 
In those days, it was a custom that God's mighty deeds were told in the temple or synagogue or maybe in the homes at special occasions in particular. It, it all took place out of the public eye, kind of behind closed doors in hushed tones. That was the only way Jews in those days felt you could talk about God and his works. In fact, they were so afraid of taking God's name in vain in public that they substituted another word for God, God's name. So it was no wonder that all those Jews were quite taken aback when they heard those disciples of Jesus in plain, normal language proclaiming the mighty works of God out in the streets in Jerusalem. They weren't reserved or secretive or so on on their own. No, they openly told of those great, mighty deeds of God to everyone in the street, irrespective of who they might be. And in various tongues, so everybody could understand, no matter where they came from. See, congregation, that was something new, too. That's also what changed at Pentecost. In the Old Testament, you had holy places, holy implements in the temple, holy times, holy people. Those holy places were at first the tabernacle, later the holy temple in Jerusalem. And that's where people could approach God in those holy places, and holy implements were used to offer sacrifices and burn incense. And then there were those special holy days, feast days for the Israelites that they had to keep. And a number of them, they had to come to Jerusalem, Pentecost too. That's why all those people were there together in Pentecost for that holy day and in that holy place. And then there were priests set apart for service to God, holy people. And the high priest alone was allowed to sprinkle blood on the ark behind the curtain in the temple on the day of atonement. And there were prophets who alone had the gift to speak about God, set apart, holy for God. But when the Lord Jesus Christ came and sacrificed, offered himself on the cross in Golgotha, the curtain of that temple tore from top to bottom. It was wide open here. And that meant that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, centered on Israel and Jerusalem and temple and all those holy things had come to an end, fulfilled. Christ's sacrifice made all those Old Testament sacrifices and ceremonies and holy people and everything unnecessary, fulfilled them. Those special holy places, holy implements, holy times and holy people had had their day. And notice that it says in the text too then that those people from all over said, we hear them telling the mighty works of God. And them is actually has, has emphasis. We hear them telling the mighty works of God. Who were them? Who were these people they heard? Well, they were the apostles, certainly. But not only them. Also the others who were gathered in that house in Jerusalem. All those 120 souls. We know from Acts 1.15 that the church in Jerusalem at that time consisted of those 120 souls, say. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They all declared the mighty deeds of God. The Spirit of God was poured on all flesh, as Joel had predicted, prophesied. They all became prophets and proclaimed the glorious deeds of God everywhere. And that's the beauty of the New Testament 
after the coming of, of the spirit, the new covenant, we are all prophets, priests and kings. In the Old Testament, God only spoke via specially anointed priests or prophets. But after Pentecost, all the church are prophets and prophetesses. Your young men and women will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Everyone. That first took place at Pentecost. That was the new age. The spirit was poured out on the whole church. And everyone in that house. Galilean fishermen and everybody. Prophesied about the great works of God in Jesus Christ. And that counts for today too. We're all called to be prophets and prophetesses who make the mighty works of God known to others, the mighty deeds of God. And that Old Testament prophecy of Joel then is fulfilled. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So, congregation, after Pentecost, the gospel has become a completely public thing. Come out, it has come out into the streets, we could say, the word of God. It is proclaimed in the streets of Jerusalem. And from there, it went out all over to the ends of the earth. And the gospel of God's mighty works in Jesus has to keep going out into the whole world. For the whole world belongs to God and the whole world needs to be filled with his glory. And that means brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that after Pentecost, the church has to stand in the middle of the life of this world and proclaim the mighty works of God to everyone in word and deed. You see the beginning of that in Jerusalem at Pentecost, verse 12, it says that they... What they said caused a lot of people in Jerusalem to be amazed and perplexed what Peter had proclaimed there. All the members of that first little church there in Jerusalem boldly called everyone's attention to the gospel of God's mighty deeds in Jesus Christ. And they dared to proclaim God's mighty deeds to others around them, no matter who they were. And the Spirit motivated them, called them to that, pushed them to it. Congregation, what about us today? We belong to Christ and to his church. And you see then that the calling to each of us, young and old, is to also prophesy about the mighty deeds of God. Tell the mighty works of God, the gospel of Christ in plain language, in the middle of life. Not in some separate little place here. It's not just for home or for church, but in all your life. Gospel is not just for Sundays for us. It has to come to the fore in our everyday lives at home, school, work, university. We all have the task to speak and live up to the gospel in the middle of society today. Not something we have to leave up to some specialist somewhere, set apart for this job and for that. Not something we have to leave up to the evangelism committee or so. 
No, we all, in our own place and station, are boldly, may boldly declare the wonders of God to others around us. In their language, in their everyday life. And the more we do that, the more the Spirit will also work in and through us. And that's also the meaning of Pentecost then. Through the pouring of his spirit on his church, Jesus Christ makes us prophets who have the calling to tell the mighty works of God to the world. And for those who love God, can there be any more beautiful task than to do that? To speak of our mighty God and to support those who tell of Jesus Christ to others in other places. So we've seen how God's wonders are proclaimed in normal language and by normal people. We come to the last point. Those wonders have been worked by the God of all grace. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God. Those works, congregation, are all God's deeds as we have them in the Bible. That's what those people filled with the Holy Spirit were all talking about, about the great and glorious deeds of the God of all grace. They didn't tell what they were feeling. I I feel this, my opinion this, what they were experiencing, what they were thinking about everything, even though they, they must have been feeling and thinking lots. No, what they spoke was God's mighty works. About that. And you hear about that in the sermon Peter held there in that street in Jerusalem too. He spoke about the mighty works which God did in Jesus Christ, his son. And then he says, this Jesus, this very same Jesus who you handed over to be put to death with the help of wicked men, well, this Jesus God raised from the dead and exalted at his right hand. What a mighty work of God. This God is to be praised and magnified for overcoming sin and death. For you. Congregation, I'm afraid we're often inclined to think way too small about church and about our Christian faith. In our country, there's less and less respect for the Christian faith and less and less interest in the church of Christ. And we have the inclination to measure the strength of the church also then by what we see, by the number of people that are in it, by the influence and effect it has and and so on. And then it can be difficult for young people to deal with that too, to realize that you belong to such a small minority with so little influence on the people in power and on this country in general. And on top of that, you notice that people in the church aren't perfect either. All the people here are not perfect either. And there's still sinfulness and pettiness and narrow-mindedness in the church too. But don't let those things blind, make you blind to the great significance of what is going on here. The true church of God isn't about the numbers or the influence or how perfect the people are in themselves. But it's about the greatness of God, his mighty works. It's all about the God who in Jesus Christ saves us through his son. Who, who not only created us in the beginning, but saves us in his son and who wants to hold on to us by means of his spirit so that we can live with him forever. And we know that from the Bible. 
in the Bible, we have all the mighty works of God written for us. How he created the universe out of nothing. How he sent his son in our flesh for us. How great his love is for sinners. He also renews us by his spirit. The Bible, you see, is full of the mighty works of God. It's on every page of the Bible. So that's what we need to be speaking out. And then there's the call here again to be busy with the Bible congregation. That we read it faithfully in our homes. Study it. Meditate on it. Talk about it with others. What are we going to talk about when we have our post-worship cup of tea or coffee today? Only about who was in church and who was not there. Or only about how that sister was dressed or how that brother sang. Or only about how that parent who could, about that parent who couldn't control their child or, or so. Or will you also talk about the mighty works of God? Are his gracious deeds really what preoccupy your heart as you sit here too and afterwards too? That's where the Holy Spirit wants to bring us. That that is the big thing in our lives. Oh, we often fall so short in the true worship and praise of God, the God of all grace, don't we, brothers and sisters? Instead of exalting in God, we often end up talking about ourselves or gossiping about each other or worrying about all kinds of things and we're sometimes more irritated by each other's shortcomings than we're amazed at God's works, right? But let's do our utmost to focus on the glorious deeds of our God. His glorious deeds. They're, they're awesome. He, he made us his own people. That most of us were even born in the covenant of his grace so that just as we fell in Adam without our knowledge, so we're also received into Christ without our knowledge. That's an amazing thing. That we, we may belong to the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, to his holy Catholic church, that he gathered us in here. That he wants to work in us through the word and spirit so that it's the desire of our hearts to love him and serve him. Not just here in this life, but forever. Are we still amazed at those things that we believe it can become so common to us too? We take it for granted. Are we still amazed? This is why the spirit was poured out at Pentecost. To work in us the amazement at the mighty works of God, the God of all grace, that he did it all for you and me. Congregation, let's continue to be amazed at those works of God as people of God in Christ here too. And let's see it as a a great and beautiful task to praise and declare those mighty works everywhere in our whole life. Amen.